Hey guys, welcome to Invivo. It's Jasmine here, and I'm so glad I decided to tune into another episode. I miss y'all so much. I haven't recorded in a long time, and I decided to take a summer break, and I apologize for not saying anything. I just was going through a lot, and I feel like the state of the country, I just didn't feel comfortable putting out an episode, but I am back. There will be some new changes, so instead of me uploading every Sunday, I'll be uploading twice a month, so every other Sunday, and I'm just excited to be back officially. If I take a break, I will make sure I let you all know I'm taking a break, and I'm going to try to revamp my Instagram and just have more interviews and just level up, you know? So I'm glad you all are sticking with me. And I'm excited to keep recording. So we're going to start off with the first segment, which is Word of the Week. The Word of the Week this week is attenuate, which means to lessen the amount for its magnitude or value of. It can be used in many things, but specifically, it can be used in research papers to show reduction in a variable you are studying. So for example, there was a research paper title that I just saw that stated S. aureus biofilms attenuate inflammation in vivo. Now on to what's new. So today's science news, I'm going to talk about the experimental drug remdesivir, which just recently came out as a drug that could be used to possibly treat COVID-19. So pharmaceutical company Gilead Sciences, the company behind the drug, has announced that they will charge $520 per vial for patients with private insurance. And you need a double dose on the first day. So for a five-day treatment, the cost would be around $3,120. The price is crazy, but um, it's not that surprising because it's just unfortunate that treatment for this COVID has any price. It should really be free, but that's just the ideal world is that these treatments could be free. Um, But the treatment has shown to prevent COVID patients from needing to go into a intensive care unit or spending any other money to stay in a hospital. So there was a study that showed that patients that took remdesivir had limited their hospital stay from 15 days to 11 days. So it doesn't completely cure COVID, but it sure does help. Um, It's lower than expected, actually. Um, So people said that it'll be a marker for other companies once they decide to release their respective vaccines or drugs. And the drug should be for purchase in September or October. In regard to Ms. Rona, (laughs) there are other treatments at the moment in development besides vaccines because vaccine treatment takes very, very long to develop and test and then therefore put in the market. So there's other treatments that researchers have been using to study and see if it could work, like monoclonal antibodies, which have been seen as a potential treatment since they are lab-made molecules that can mimic human immune antibodies. Um, Their original purpose is to target cancer cell or other undesirable cells. And in COVID-19, they will supplement the immune system with antibodies targeted against Rona. And other treatments include immune modulators, antivirals, convalescent plasma. And convalescent plasma is a really neat idea because they would use plasma taken from patients who have had the disease and recovered because their blood plasma would contain the antibodies that were used to made Um, to fight off the coronavirus. So giving these same antibodies to a sick person would help fight the recovery. Um, We thought we were going to be over. As you see, a lot of states are now trying to go back phases. So we were in Maryland, we were in phase two, but it seems like we're going to have to go back into phase one. I'm not surprised because I knew once they gave us an itch, many people would take a mile and rightfully so, you know, we've been locked up for a while. I just hope that we can 
find a better way to treat all this so we could be over and done with it. So now on to pop culture. So for today's pop culture news will be a little bit different. I want to talk about the things I was not able to talk about while I was on break, which is the protests and police brutality. So for a couple months now, people have been protesting and calling out police brutality in America. Um, Some protests have turned violent due to anger, retaliation, or just simply being tired of the fact that we have to still go through this. And the violence has also not even came from the protesters themselves. It has came from these awful, awful cops that have been abusing their power. The media has done an awful job covering the protests and not showing how these cops are actually the ones starting these un- starting the unrest, um, hurting peaceful civilians, running into crowds, locking people up for no reason, having people under their custody go missing so much more. And it's unfortunate that when we try to fight for something that is right, we are simply put back down. But many other Black people and people of color and anti-racist have came together and donated, have voted, have signed petitions. They've just been showing out. And more to just help defund police, reallocate money to the community, and ideally, honestly, try to stop policing in our communities. This cannot keep happening to us. Black lives do, in fact, matter. And it's been it's 100 days or less than 100 days to the election. So we need to show up and vote, make sure we stick together and unify because there will be justice at one point. And as we know, we have been shown time and time again that what is there to look forward to when there is someone trying to police you? Our urban communities are suffering right now. And for someone, I'm not going to say their name, to try to put militarized police in these communities is just going to cause more unrest and chaos. All of it is super chaotic, and it did not have to be. These protests were peaceful. These protests were just to emphasize that what is happening right now is unfair. It should not be happening. And our justice system should be able to address these issues and be fair when it comes to prosecution. There should be no qualified immunity. There should be no over-policing. There should be no abuse of power. And this has to stop. Um, I say the best thing for you to do if you want to learn more about what is going on is to just simply research. There's many books. There's many things about what has gone on to us, what happened in the past, the history of police. And using our databases like JSTOR or using Scholar Google or just simply looking at articles and books and stuff, we can use these to educate and learn. A personal book that I want to read is a book titled Medical Apartheid, which has basically done so much for the community in regards to stating our history and how Black people were treated in the field of medicine, how we were used as just bodies to test these awful surgeries. Um, we were not credited for the the things that we have contributed to medicine. And we were treated like animals, honestly, when these pioneers of certain fields, like gynecology, per se, treated us. And it's a really, really good read. I cannot wait to read it. I've read clips. The book has been sold out for a long time, so I haven't been trying to get my hands on it. But when I do, I want to make sure that I have an actual book review of it. So now on to our discussion, which will be about Black people's mistrust in research and medicine.
So like I said, the discussion topic will be on Black people's mistrust in research and medicine and how we can improve this. So the reason why I want to talk about this is that there was an article brought to me um, by NBC News that titled, COVID-19 vaccine will only work if trials include Black people. This article was very touching to me because it's just a simple reminder on why exactly Black people do not want to be involved in trials. Um, Once you go to doctors, so many people of color are scared, Um, mistrust in the numbers, mistrust in research. And this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to go into doing research in medicine. Because time and time again, when I worked and when I went around, so many Black people had illnesses that they had no clue about until it was unfortunately too late due to their fear of going to a hospital. Um, Black women, Black men, we have all been unfortunately failed by the medical system. The reason why I believe this is because I've done research and I have found out history on Dr. Sims, eugenics, sterilizing the Black women in prisons. Dr. Middow, um, there was a thread I read on Twitter that mentioned all of this stuff and more, specifically on the history of Hottentots and Sarti Bartman and Stetogympia, which was a illness or a disease that caused a overly round butt. All these things, all these practices were fueled by scientific racism. The also shows that even though these things happened many, many years ago, it's still seen in medical students and medical doctors of today. There was a study done by the AAMC or the American Association of Medical College Students, and they did a survey which showed that half of white medical trainees believed that black people had thicker skin, black people had less nerve endings, and did not experience pain the way that white patients did. And that is so sad that these awful stereotypes, these awful myths are still being brought up to this day. You're in medical school. In medical school. How do you believe these things? But it just shows that the perception of Black people in America is not human. It's not. I'm scared. Right? I'm supposed to be scared to go to a doctor that is not of my skin complexion or a person of color because they may not treat me as I should be treated. There are still medical textbooks that show that if a black person complains that they are in pain, they could be exaggerating. My pain is my pain. And this is one of the reasons why pain management research, clinicians in pain management that are black or people of color needs to be heightened because this is unfortunate that we have seen time and time again that we are not treated the same as someone of another color. Black women in childbirth, um, black women are dying 2.5 more times often than white women when it comes to birthing children. And there's been issues with black people not being treated for their pain as much as a white patient would. And it needs to stop. And ways to fix this include establishing medical programs 
educational programs, allowing more black people or people of color to obtain their medical degree or their MD, PhD. And there should be no institutionalized racism in the STEM field. There's less black people that have tenure. There's less black people that are in these MD, PhD trainee programs. It needs to stop. We need to make sure that we have talented, intelligent, multifaceted individuals because it's 2020. We should not have to be going through these things. There should be diversity in the field and everyone should be treated like human and treated like there is a problem that needs to be treated. Like I said, the reason why I want to research and treat pain management is because so many people and slightly clinicians believe that we are lying when we say we are in pain. They will neglect us when we are in pain. They will not hear our cry. And I want to fill that void and treat all patients with no bias at all and try to research pain measures that are more objective so that even when you are in the care of a white clinician, you are treated fairly. Now on to Day Snaps. Today on They Snapped, we are highlighting Dr. Percy L. Julian. Dr. Percy L. Julian was one of the leading American chemists of the 20th century. His elegant solutions to the problems of synthesizing complex organic molecules won him international acclaim. He was an acclaimed lecturer, a tireless builder of institutions, a mentor with dozens of successful students, and much more. His work in industry was central to the development of latex paint, soy-based plastics, synthetic hormones, and dozens of food products. His 1935 synthesis of the anti-glaucoma drug physotigmine, a critical step in the treatment of the disease, was cited by the American Chemical Society as one of the most landmark achievements in American chemistry. He was instrumental in the early 1950s in the development of synthetic cortisone, which freed millions from the half-frozen joints and excruciating pain of rheumatoid arthritis. Julian accomplished all of this despite having to scramble throughout his professional life for funding, facilities, and employment. He never held a professorship at a major university, never worked for a major chemical or pharmaceutical company, and was marginalized again and again by other chemists. Even his election to the National Academy of Sciences after decades of work that might have won him the Nobel Prize faced intense vocal opposition. The reason was awfully simple, Percy Julian was black. If you want to learn more, there's an episode on PBS's series Nova titled Percy Julian, Forgotten Genius. That is all for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, peace out, y'all.